Happy Easter, guys. Today's the most significant day in the Christian calendar, and we're so glad um, that you can join us. It's the day when we celebrate the Lord Jesus raised from the dead, which is so central um, to our hopes in this world. The Bible records that Jesus died, he was buried, and then on the third day, he rose again from the dead and then appeared to over 500 people. It's a bit of a weird Easter though for us, isn't it? This is probably not where you expected to be right now. Um, and so today, I really want to show you why we need the hope of Jesus' resurrection more than ever. Um, today, we're going to see how the empty tomb, which represents the resurrection of Jesus, how that can bring us from fear to confidence. Um, so if you have your Bibles, um, please keep them open to First uh, Peter chapter 1, and we'll be unpacking a few verses from there today. So how about we pray? Father, we ask today that you would please fill us with joy in the hope of your resurrection. Open our eyes right now, Lord, to see the wonders in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're living in a time right now where the world is filled with fear. We've seen the, the threat of illness breeds a certain fear and panic in our society. Even in Australia, where we don't really generally feel the threat of persecution and war, um, we've seen actually for us that the threat of um, our safety um, has been brought to the very front of our minds. Um, it's, all we're even, it's all we've been talking about over the last three months. Honestly, have you, over the dinner table, have you been talking about anything else? And what began as a mild curiosity into the coronavirus has now been brought very close to home. Um, it's really weird if you think about how things have progressed over the last few weeks. Um, I remember a, a few weeks ago, I was at Costco and I saw people lining up and down the aisles, frozen food in one hand, toilet paper in the other, which is ironic because the more frozen food you need, the more toilet paper you need. But you see, at that stage, it was just a bit of a joke. You know, it was a bit comical at that stage. Um, then a couple of weeks later, um, I was at a Malaysian takeaway place and um, I ordered a chakwe tiao, which is Malaysian fried noodles. And the smoke from the chakwe tiao, it actually went into my nostrils and made me sneeze. And as I sneezed, people looked at me like I was Satan himself. Devon had turned into the devil. <laughs> and of course, now things are different again. Um, we're, we're all at home right now. Um, we're scared even to go outside at all. If I see someone walking down the street, you know what I'll do. I'll cross to the other side just to be safe. You see, the, for us, this is just where we are. Um, and as we look around to Europe, as we look around to Italy and Spain, where literally hundreds of people are dying every day, we are seeing that the threat of death is real for ourselves, for those we love. Um, and in Australia, we know that the worst is still yet to come. So right now, everything is under threat. Our jobs, our livelihoods, our relationships, our health as well. We've seen small businesses shutting down even churches like ours. It's been a hard time. And so this virus has shown us, it's shown all of us that we're more vulnerable than we'd like to think. And so it's into this culture of fear and anxiety that the Apostle Peter speaks to in our passage today. Um, Peter, he speaks here into a church that's preparing to suffer. And that's why he writes. You'll see that in chapter 1, verse 6, where the people have begun to suffer grief of various kinds of trials. That's how the letter opens. 
And I want you to see how the letter ends as well. If you look at chapter 5, verse 7, Peter says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, this is a church on the brink of suffering, and they're scared. From what we know, this church was suffering a persecution for their faith. They were being marginalized by society. They were being alienated in their relationships. They were threatened with the loss of social and economic standing. Does it sound a bit familiar? Of course, suffering for your faith is a very different thing to what we're currently going through. But the reality of suffering and the threat of future suffering is both present and very real for us too. So Peter here, he writes to a discouraged people and a fearful people. Happy Easter. Isn't it all just a little bit bleak? Not what you thought it would be, right? And so into a world filled with fear, where do you turn? Well, Peter says, you turn to the empty tomb. Turn to Jesus' resurrection. Have a look with me uh, at chapter 1, verse 3. This is what Peter writes. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So it's into a world filled with fear that Peter overflows in praise because we've been born again to a living hope. So into this world that's expecting suffering, that's expecting death, Peter says the opposite. Your hope's not dead, but your hope is living. Uh, much of the advancements in our world have shifted in focus towards health. Um, we've seen new diets, new ways to monitor and detect illnesses. You might have seen lots of Netflix documentaries which talk about plant-based diets, about living longer, feeling better, increasing your quality of life. What's motivated all of this? One political commentator put it very plainly. He said that these things are, are, are motivated by a desire to live forever. Why? Because ultimately, what we're scared of is death. It's a very natural impulse, isn't it? Part of us wants to live forever. Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity into the human heart. And so what it means to be human then is that we've been hardwired. We've been inbuilt with a longing for eternity. We were made by God to live forever. That's why regardless of where you live, all religions have some concept of life after death. And it's especially true of why the virus has hit home so hard right now. It's because it's, th it's directly threatening this longing. It's challenged this assumption. But Peter assures us here, we who belong to Jesus are born again into a living hope. So just as um, our physical birth ushers in the miracle of new life, being born again also means brand new life. Um, but unlike this first physical birth that ends in death, Peter says that this new birth continues to eternal life. Um, one of the most frustrating things for me during this time right now is the lack of sport on TV. It's, it's broken my heart, actually. The NBA's cancelled. Um, the English Premier League soccer's cancelled. But somehow, we were given a lifeline. Somehow, the AFL continued. 
In an age of social isolation, we saw guys tackling each other. We saw guys high-fiving. We saw guys driving each other into the dirt. Only in Australia, right? And it was only probably wishful thinking that this could continue. And lo and behold, after just one week, the AFL was cancelled too. Well, this new birth that Peter promises here might just feel like wishful thinking too. I mean, when someone dies, we want to console them sometimes by saying, well, at least they're in a better place. And sometimes that can feel like wishful thinking as well. But look at this. Peter says the opposite. He says our hope's not empty, but it's living. Why? Because it's grounded in the miracle of the new birth, of the empty tomb. Verse 3, we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So for these disciples, remember that Jesus' resurrection shouldn't come as a surprise. Jesus was constantly predicting that he would have to die and that he would have to rise again from the dead. Jesus says in Luke 24, the Son of Man must be crucified and he must on the third day rise again. And we know this because of our sin that Jesus had to die. But if he really has to defeat sin and he has to defeat death, well, he must rise again. So the empty tomb here, it's signaling that Jesus did it. He, he has defeated sin. He has defeated death. And so the good news this Easter is that we have been united with Christ in his death and resurrection which means that his death is now our death to sin in our old life. And it means that his resurrection is now our resurrection to a new life that continues forever. And so this is the promise for every one of you. If you place your trust in Christ, you can be confident that you have new birth and that you have new life. And it means then that no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter what happens over the next few weeks or the next few months, your hope is secured in the reality that Jesus lives. I want you to imagine Peter's delight here. Remember, he was one of the very first people to visit Jesus' tomb. And John 20 tells us that Peter ran straight to the tomb and saw it empty. Remember, this is the very same Peter that just a few days ago denies Jesus three times. And now it's this same Peter that's willing to lose everything because he knows that the Lord is not dead, but he is alive. I don't know if you've been to a cemetery recently. They're not comfortable places. It feels so wrong, isn't it, that we need so much land to bury the dead. And as as natural as death is in our world, everyone dies. As natural as that is, it always feels unnatural. It always feels jarring when someone dies. So imagine our joy then when the grave is empty and the Lord is risen. And friends, it's this empty tomb here that makes Christianity so different. Like we've said, every religion has some concept of life after death, right? But for Christians, our faith is grounded in a historical fact, the empty tomb. So I want to give you three reasons why you can trust the empty tomb as history. 
Number one, no, no serious historian, whether they're Christian or not, denies the reality of the empty tomb. No alternative theory is given that, um, that denies the empty tomb either. We see this in Matthew 28, where the priests have to pay off the guards and tell everyone that the disciples stole the body. Why did they need that theory? It's because the tomb was empty. That's undisputed. So regardless of whether you accept the resurrection or not, you cannot deny the historical fact that the tomb was empty. Nobody was found. You see, the easiest way to just debunk the resurrection is produce the body. We've had 2,000 years to do this. But they couldn't. Number two, if the disciples did steal the body or they claimed that Jesus was alive when they knew he wasn't, why would they die for a lie? Most of the apostles that saw the risen Jesus, they were put to death for their faith. That's undisputed. It's recorded that even um, Peter, who denied his Lord three times, he was ultimately crucified upside down because he would not consider himself worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord and Savior. And number three, it was women who first discovered the empty tomb. Remember, this is a culture where a woman's testimony is not even allowable in a court. So if these gospel writers, if they're trying to construct a convincing narrative, they would never place women as the very first people to witness the empty tomb. No, the reason it happens like this, the reason it's recorded like this with women there, is if it happened like this. So you see, the gospel writers, they don't bend to the cultural narratives and stereotypes of their time. All of this to say, guys, this is not superstition. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, we have an empty hope. A dead saviour is a useless saviour. A good Friday without an Easter Sunday is a tragedy. Paul says that if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You know, when people are anxious and scared like we are now, we look to a leader. So some of us may look to a leader like Daniel Andrews or ScoMo or even Trump, right? People who, um, people want to look to someone who can stand up and guide the way right now. But here, not only do we have a leader in Jesus, but we have a leader who is alive. Every other, every other leader of a world religion is dead. It's only Jesus who dies and rises again. We have a living hope because we worship a living God. And what's so amazing about the resurrection here is it's entirely driven by God's mercy. You'll see that there in verse 3, according to his great mercy. The coronavirus was so severe in Italy. Um, the hospital systems were so overloaded that doctors needed to choose who to treat. What, a, what an awful decision to have to make. And so the doctors had to prioritize the young. They had to prioritize those with the best um, expectations of life. And of course, it meant that the elderly, um, the weak, had to be untreated. Um, and that's what happens always when tragedy hits. It's always the poor, it's always the most vulnerable that are impacted the most. But unlike our human limitations, 
God's mercy is so different because he doesn't need to discriminate. In fact, God's mercy means he goes particularly after the the weakest, the most vulnerable in society, those that will cry out to him for help. God's mercy here means he helps the helpless. Unlike human doctors who don't have the capacity to save everyone. Peter points here to God's great mercy, which is the power to give life to all who ask. So if this is your first time joining us today, you don't yet know Jesus. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. This is not something you need to earn. No, Peter says simply trust in the resurrection. Believe and you will receive new life. So that though we, yes, yes, we will die on this earth, we will rise again. So yeah, this will continue to be a scary time for us. But through this time, our lives don't need to be governed by fear and anxiety. No, we no longer need to fear death because we have been united with the one who's conquered it. And now this resurrection is God's victory cry over Satan, sin and death. And now his victory is our victory. And that's what we celebrate today. So even in a time like this, the empty tomb can move us from a, from a life filled with fear to one that's filled with confidence. And that's our last point. Because we all know inherently that security breeds confidence. Um, I know for all of us, holidays might seem like a distant memory right now. Um, But I don't know if you've ever rented um, a car while you're on holiday. To me, renting a car is one of the most stressful experiences of the holiday. Especially when they ask, would you like to take out extra for insurance? And being someone that you know, always likes to hunt around for a bargain, for a discount. You know my answer. Not interested in insurance. Thank you very much. But what that means then, as I'm driving the whole time, every second I'm behind the wheel, I'm absolutely freaking out. I'm gripping the wheel so hard because I know if I crash, it's life over for me. I'm going to have to pay an extra thousand, thousands of dollars for this stupid car. And the whole time, all I'm thinking about is only if I showed out this extra 80 bucks, I'd have the confidence to just drive properly instead of driving 40 kilometers down the freeway. Why do we do this? It's because security breeds confidence. It's the reason why as soon as we heard about this potential pandemic, what do we do? We bought all the food, we bought all the toilet paper that we could find because having all this stuff gives us a sense of confidence. Well, Peter here, he goes a step further. He shows us how the empty tomb builds a much more solid hope than one that is literally as fragile as toilet paper. Verse 4, our new inheritance through the resurrection leads us in verse 4 to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. This language of inheritance here, what we gain in the future, it takes us back to when God gave the promised land to Israel as an inheritance. And it was this hope of a new beginning that sustained them all the way through their suffering in the wilderness. But Peter says here that where this promised land was just a temporary gift, it only pointed to this permanent inheritance in heaven. And so here, this language of imperishable, undefiled, unfading is everything this world 
is not. See, what God promises us through the resurrection is an entirely new world where we receive new bodies. So we see here, imperishable means our new bodies will never grow old. Incorruptible means our new bodies will never be stained by sin. And unfading means our new bodies will never lose their beauty. When things on earth always fade, jobs get boring, houses break down, hair falls out, faces get wrinkled, this new world, these future bodies will continue into eternity as they were always meant to. And so Peter says it's this destiny that's secured by the resurrection that fuels our confidence. Because, you know, when people are suffering, they often look to the future. And that's what we're doing now. We're, we're looking forward to a time when we can be reunited with friends, when we can hang out and not have to worry about catching a virus. We look forward to being able to work again, to traveling again. But here we need to look even further ahead to the very end, to an inheritance in heaven that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Remember here that Christian joy is not triumphalistic. Christian joy is not about ignoring the pain and suffering in your life or just dreaming about heaven. No, it's about taking a completely honest look at all of earthly life through heaven's lens. And so it means then that we can interpret this life differently. We can endure suffering. We can endure illness with the hope that one day all things will be put right. And it's the empty tomb that makes this possible. That's where our confidence is. We see here as well, the the empty tomb doesn't just secure our future inheritance, but the resurrection also shows us God's power to help us now. So verse 4, our inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So God here, he promises to guard us through faith now to get us all the way home to our final salvation. So here it's the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is this very same power here that keeps us persevering, It keeps us enduring and continuing to have faith in God now. So yeah, right now we don't feel powerful. We feel weak. But it's actually in our faith. Our faith in Jesus is proof that God continues to work powerfully in all of us, even through our fears. So the empty tomb doesn't just signal the beginning, but the empty tomb signals confidence all the way home, all the way to the end. So though we might lose everything in this life now, we can still rejoice because in the end, you get it all. So how is Michael, a small business owner, able to rejoice while losing his business? It's because he's confident of the riches of his inheritance. I mean, how can Jane, an elderly lady, how can she rejoice in her time of isolation away from those she loves? It's because she can be confident that she will be reunited with those she loves in Christ one one day and with Jesus too. And how can John, a dad with three kids, still have hope while he loses his wife to illness? It's because he's confident that she walks with the newness of life in a new body that will never fade, that can never perish. 
No, they can do all these things. Why? Because they know what the future's like. Friends, you don't belong to this world. You belong to the world to come. It's why Peter here, he calls us exiles in verse 1. Because this world's just a temporary home. We're not citizens here. We're just passing through here on our way through to our permanent residence in heaven. That's the confidence of the empty tomb. So where does this leave us? Right now, we live between two resurrections. We live between Jesus' resurrection and our future resurrection. And because we're not there yet, our our lives will continue to be confronted by fear, just as we are now. And let me say this, being afraid is normal. It's okay to be scared. But it's in light of this that Peter points us to the life to come. Not that our fear just melts away and we don't prepare for trouble now. It's not simplistic like that. But it's even that through our fears, we might be filled with confidence and hope for the future. So this Easter will be characterized by waiting. Waiting for things to go back to normal. Waiting for the things we've been looking forward to for so long. And in one sense, this just reflects a much bigger picture of our waiting for God to finally put all these things right. So just being honest for a sec, chances are um, some of us will get the coronavirus. Most likely we'll live, we'll be okay. Most likely things will just go back to normal. But one thing we all have in common is one day we'll all die. And the only hope you have for new life is the empty tomb, where death itself is destroyed through Jesus who died and rose again. And the promise is if you trust in him today, you can be filled with the confidence that eternal life is yours. Right now, our world longs for a cure. We long for this struggle to end. We don't know when that will happen. And that's okay. Because our hope is not in a vaccine. Our hope is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which no virus will stop. Imagine a world now with no more cemeteries, where we don't need vast areas of land to bury the dead. Imagine a world of no more dying, of no more crying, where God promises to wipe every tear from our eyes. Um, I remember getting a call from my grandpa Um, I remember getting that call that he was dying and he wasn't going to make it through the night. And as I got that call, I jumped on a plane to Sydney. And I remember um, looking out the window of the plane. I remember just feeling scared. I felt all alone. But in that moment, the only words that could come to me were were actually from a song. And the words were, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength. My song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. Why did those words come to me? It's not because it was the good Christian thing to do. No, it's because I had nowhere else to turn. Um, I would love to tell you that my grandpa pulled through, that he made a full recovery. Um, But that's just not what happened. But I remember as he opened his eyes one last time, I was by his side, assuring him with words of confidence that he was loved by the Lord 
and that he could go home. And that is all possible because of the resurrection. So guys, never forget, the empty tomb is able to bring us from fear to confidence. Because though we face an uncertain present, we look forward to a very certain future. Let's pray. Whether this is your first time here or whether you've been joining us here every week, this is a prayer we can pray together. Admitting our need for God during this time and placing our hope in Jesus' resurrection. So if you would like to trust in Jesus today, if you'd like to receive this new birth and living hope, I invite you to pray this with me right now where you are, in the quietness of your heart, because God hears. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now we live in a world that's anxious, that's uncertain, that's fearful. We don't know what will happen over the next few weeks or months. We don't know how we or our loved ones will be affected. We thank you for the certain hope of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. That though we might lose everything in this life, we're secure with you. So we thank you for new life and a living hope that won't fade. Lord, we're sorry for the times we ignore you, we live our own way. So we turn to you now asking for your mercy. We thank you that you love us even when we don't love you. We ask, please give us this new life through Jesus' resurrection today. We pray that we would be a people that continue to praise you, that recognize how much we're blessed even through this time. And so we look forward to the great hope of the new creation kept in heaven for us. We long for that day. Come, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.